And welcome back, everybody, to Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. I'm Kyle, your host. As always, Daniel and Matt are with me. Hello. Hey, guys. How was your weekend, guys? Uh, it was pretty good. Got to check out some Predators hockey over this week, so that's always a plus. Got the juices flowing. Hockey is back. Yes, I'm excited. We are only a couple weeks away. You can tell from the excitement in my voice. It's just so good to be back and hear that goal horn again. How about you, Matt? Yeah, I, it was actually my birthday this weekend, uh, Sunday, so had a nice birthday time. And How old did you turn? 29. How you feel being one away from 30? Yeah, I feel Ooh. a little older this time. Just a little? Yeah. It'll feel really interesting next year, won't you? Get that extra bracket. Just so you know. Extra decade. As somebody who's already passed 30, when you hit 30, <laughs> the wisdom of the ages will descend upon you. Oh, wow. <laughs> nice to know. And you realize that adults have been lying to you your entire life. It does not make a difference at all. Oh, Matt knew that a long time ago. So, mm-hmm. so I have to ask, what is up with your finger? Oh. So, <laughs> backstory. So I said Sunday was my birthday. And then Monday, typical Monday, I smashed my finger in my car door. So, yeah. Did you drop any language? I did not. I was worried that I actually had broken my finger, so I wasn't uh, worried about saying any choice words at the time. But it was throbbing pain, so that night I came home and basically drilled a hole through my fingernail to let it bleed all the excess out to help Now, on a scale of one to uh, (laughs) you want to die, how bad was that pain? It was, it was a solid eight. Yeah, it was a pretty seven. <laughs> I hadn't felt that bad in a few years or that much pain level. So, well, you got to think all the nerve endings right underneath your fingernail, and you're having to drill through it. And yeah, doing uh, working oh. the whole day was uh, was a task. For those who don't know, um, Matt works at a hospital in the surgery room, so he's literally like helping the surgeons and yeah. not a good ca- place to have needs. an open wound either and he needs his hands well, it's not so. a bad thing did they at least uh x-ray your finger or look at it no i didn't need that i could tell it wasn't broken after i looked at it for a few minutes but just the initial impact of it happening i think daniel's the only one of the three of us that actually had a decent weekend because saturday and sunday i had ac problems again mm. compressor this time yeah in your much. car no, uh, my house. Uh, I knew so, I knew your car. I mean, your house had uh, air problems. Okay. So, like, the tech came out, replaced the uh, evaporator meter, which monitors the freon intake. They said, "Oh, your compressor's bad." And I was like, "Oh, that's what's that going to cost?" And they're like, "Oh, it's you know, it's not much, thousand dollars. That's a little much, just a bit." So, um, so then the next day on Sunday, jump change for Kyle. Yeah. On Sunday, the next day, another another guy came out. And he's like, "It's your compressor's fine." Sweet. He's, he said basically that when the meter was put in, all the hoses and everything that are attached to it, they've got to lay a certain way, otherwise they overheat, which causes the compressor to overheat. So he fixed all that. Awesome. So all in all, five hundred dollars. So it was much cheaper than what you were fearing it was going to be. Yeah, the original agreement was five hundred bucks, and then they said, "Oh, it's a thousand And they were like, "Oh, we're not going to charge you today." I was like, "Why not? If you can collect more money doing this." So now I just owed him 500 bucks. So, and it's so great to have a cool house, but I was so glad it was not in the middle of the summer when this happened. Ooh, that'd yeah. been rough. Tennessee summers are brutal with no air. Hence why I got a new car this year. So <laughs> so what I did waiting for the insurance guy, not insurance, but the uh, AC guy, is play more Rocket League. Of course you did. Look, I'm going to get good at this. In reality, probably not. No, what you need to get 
is an Xbox and get Destiny 2 because that's the cool game for the cool kids. But no. I think you're outnumbered. Our listeners are mostly playing NHL 18 like I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Matt, didn't you uh, pick that one up over the weekend yeah, for your dude. birthday? Yeah, I did. I've been playing that like crazy. So how many times have you led the uh, Detroit, the Detroit Red Wings to another cup? Mm, haven't played a full season yet, but we're getting there. You getting your trade skills going on, though? <laughs> oh, yeah. GM Matt. That's right. What's the biggest trade you've made so far? Uh, haven't haven't went through that far. I've been mostly just playing online and trying out all the different features and uh HUD challenges and all that kind of stuff. So, pretty cool game. I, I'm enjoying it so far. Well, we did get to see our actual real game this week for the first preseason game doubleheader, actually. It was Tuesday. Yes, it was against the Florida Panthers twice with a split roster. So, And a split result. Yeah. <laughs> Very good, Kyle. Um, yeah, it was kind of interesting to see uh, the pairings for the A and B team, I called them. Uh, it was kind of like splitting up all your all-stars with the uh, the younglings, as it were, kind of see uh, some of the new matchings and uh, pairs. Uh, I did not get to catch the first game in person. I don't think any of us did, really. Nope. Uh, obviously, with it being around, what, 3 p.m. start time? 3.30. Uh, we were all working. But, yes, Kyle and I uh, got to head up to Nashville and catch that uh, 7 o'clock matinee, so... It was an excellent game. It was just so good to be back in the arena, taking the sights and sounds again, speculate where they're going to put up the Western Conference banner. We think they're going to put it right beside the American flag. That's the only that. open we'll spot on that side. Otherwise, like they took Ribs' uh, poster down. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, uh, it's a little late, I think. but <laughs> The uh, Fish's Friend poster still up. I think they'll keep that for a while. They took away his uh, his what his club yeah. Rib, Rib, Ribeiro's club and put up a missing poster instead. So, so it's kind of mean. you know, being that it's a banner for the first time, it's like, you know, where do you put that banner at? You just don't know. But um, yeah, so we didn't see the first game. We saw the second game. But I will tell you one thing that amazed me in both these games was the amount of penalties that were given out. But apparently, it wasn't just the um wasn't just the uh, our game it was games across the games across the board yeah we'll definitely have to expound more on that later in the episode but as far as the uh the eyeball test Kyle did you see some of the uh the rookies out there that impressed you you got you got your box score uh i was really impressed with the uh, Yossi uh Gerard parent Gerard looked incredible uh Carrier extremely looked fast really good Car- too you know what all the defensemen look great Yellow hair looked good Trinan. I mean, they all looked good. I'm surprised at how everybody seems to really be talking up Kelleher. And when we were watching him in the rookie game, I, he he was a good player. But I'm like, man, this guy's so little. I saw him get knocked around like a in the like he was a kid in the schoolyard a few times. I'm like, man, but everybody else seemed to be really high on him for uh, his his playing abilities. But I I guess I just didn't have an eye on him too much during the rookie game. But well, didn't we have a fight in the first game too? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I was talking about the rookie game, but during the actual first preseason game, yeah, my Correct. boy, uh, what's his name? I can't uh, remember his name. I've got it here. His name was a uh, PC Labrie. Yeah, yeah. PC yeah. Labrie. Labrie. Yeah, that's the guy. And uh, Justin tweeted a picture of the guy and said he looks like he's here to chew bubble gum and uh, 
and kicks some butt. And he said he's all out of bubble gum, so he's just kicking butt. And sure enough, sure a day enough. or two later, the first preseason game, he gets in a fight. And I said, that's my boy. That's what I'm talking about. He called it. Junkyard dog. It's he's interesting be that Cody we, McLeod. we picked him up because he played for Rockford last year, which is the um, farm team of the Blackhawks. Mm. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. Another thing, you mentioned how good the defenseman looked. One thing I didn't really notice was that apparently Gerard has taken over Carrier spot as being the top defender from that, uh, what do you call it? Yeah. From, from the rookies who have a chance of stepping up. Apparently he's overtaken him according to, I think it was maybe Michael Gallagher who he, said that. He did get somebody. third star of the game. He did. Uh, uh, at the, the nightcap. He he looked incredibly fast. I mean, to he be honest, really there were good. several people who looked really good. You know who looked really good? Yossi did too. I'm not going to lie. He had some great feeds that were just whiffed on the back post. I mean, we had two goals at the end that just we couldn't put in the back. You know who impressed me, though? He wasn't necessarily a rookie, but we picked him up. Andrews Lindback was really good. Except, except. Except for the one goal. When he goal. tried to pull a peck. He did. He got out of the crease, and Matt, you would have been so furious. He shot the puck right at a defender's chest. It hit his chest and went in the goal. <laughs> and it tied the game up, and we went into overtime. So he's very lucky that Salty decided to to win it for us in OT because I was so ticked. I'm like, oh, that is why you are not on the main starting rotation. That's why we friend. can't have nice things. Yes. It, that was uh, one of Matt's pet peeves from a previous episode. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, he did really well other than that. He did really good. He, he stayed in uh, the crease after that for good reason. But uh, he, he stuck out. Uh, he had one incredible save where he came way out. Yeah. But he, he had to come way up out of the crease forward to swat down um, one of the, the slappers. But he looked he looked pretty solid for his return. Uh, during that game, we had a mutual friend as, as well there who's a huge Pecorino fan. Like, she obsesses over pecorine she'll probably if she listens she'll probably text me and tell me that's not shrine. true but yeah she has like a little shrine built up pecorine you know you know waves incest burners and stuff like that so he does well um but i text her when a uh, renee so during because it's an exhibition game and they wanted to give the goalies time like middle of the split. period they yeah. split them yeah and so when renee got pulled she texts me and she's like renee my boy baby come back <laughs> yeah baby come back and so I gave her a hard time. I said, look, I said, he let a soft goal in. They got to pull him. Got to bring out somebody. <laughs> that was he not did. a soft goal. Rene got caught on a caught on a really badly timed um, line change from the Preds. Is that his fault that he got caught in a line change? It was I, not. Literally everyone just was like, oh, we're going to go off. Yeah. And I'm like, no, that is not good. Like you could see it coming. Like it, he just circled around and right in the zone. It looked like they were trying to do a dump back the other end and change. But they dumped it, and one of the uh, Panthers was like, nope, got it. And Rene's like, guys, Yeah, guys. I mean, he, they had two people or two players in their zone, I think, before we got off the bench. It was bad. It was one of the worst. I knew. I was like, we're about that's, to get hammered. That's one here. reason I don't like that firehouse line change. You change all five players at one time. If you get caught out of position, a good pass down ice, and you're toast. At least have two. Like, keep two Change back. the forwards at a time and then change the defensemen at a time. Yeah. All five at a time, that's a little risky. Dude, that's been a trend the last few years. I am i don't like that. We got hammered so bad. I mean, it was like one of those. I literally looked at Kyle as it was happening, and I said, here we go. We're about to get hammered. And a second later, I mean, five-hold. Um, he can't. He couldn't do anything on that. Not much he could do about it. But like I said, good showing by everybody all together. Um, the roster is currently at 53 people. Uh, I think two guys got sent back to their junior camps. 
not the junior camps or junior teams. Uh, probably I'm expecting after the next couple of games get played because uh, they're going to uh, Columbus, they're going to Tampa for these next round of games before they come back here for the final two games, which ironically is against Columbus and Tampa again. We that always seems, do that. It seems to be those people they pull every year, which they're not bad games. They're fun to watch. But I'm expecting that probably by Wednesday we'll see another round of cuts. Uh, dude, you know who looked extremely well, though, and it was nice to see him back to his full potential was Salamaki. I mean, Salty looked so good. Two goals. He was flying all over the ice. I and mean, he had defensively, the he looked, yeah, that, he had the game winning goal. He had one earlier. Um, he looked so solid, and that that's good because he was a big enforcer for us before he got injured. And having him back, I think that's only going to help uh, you know spark some of the other players. Yeah, I think LaViolette recently said that since he was kind of impressed with his showing too, that he was going to give him some more opportunities on the power play unit and uh, let him have another chance to shine like that. He literally looked like an enforcer. I mean, anywhere he was near the puck, he was putting body on body, making sure he was at least, you know, getting a, a, a stick in the lane to block or basically being that enforcer up against the boards because he's a bigger dude, so he can do that. Um, but he still has that speed of kind of like a winger. So it, it, he looked extremely good and healthy finally. So that's that's a good sign. And I know we didn't see it in game one, but Subin and Emelin were paired up for game Correct. one. and. I even said something like that on one of the podcasts yeah. where I was like, you know, it's the it's the reunion uh, of Montreal here. So we'll see where it sticks. I, I'm still thinking it's going to be like at home with PK for a defensive pair, but go ahead. Well, we're talking about preseason, and, and now is the time where players get reevaluated and coach starts looking at some possible line combinations like with uh, putting Amelin with uh, – P.K. Subban and trying to reevaluate and see which lines are going to work better. And I've even noticed they've been splitting up the Jofa line. Is there a possible breakup right there? Yeah. No. <laughs> there's no breakup. Prince Twitter Forsberg. was actually talking about that today, actually. No. There's no breakup. I thought Forsberg. I'd stir the pot a little bit. Forsberg didn't even play in either game. So. But you've got Hartnell back now. And Hartnell did play on the top line of, of the evening game. I do like Scott Hartnell. Him being back. It just felt right. And he's even excited to be back. He's even he's said so. very excited to be back. Because, one, Hartnell has played with Joey for a couple of seasons, and he saw they said he saw his best performance underneath uh, Laviette when they were both flyers. And, yeah, in Philly. Um, it, it's, it's just interesting that he started his career here, and now basically he will be more than likely wrapping up his career here. And it was funny because in an interview he even said that it, it's not about the money for him anymore. He's made his money. He's had a great career, and he said he's here for a championship. And I'm like, that's a guy who's focused and ready. I think this championship run we had, I think it changed a lot of players' opinion about Nashville. I mean, like I'm, I knew the tide was kind of churning, but I think the fact that we got this far, everyone's like, wow, Nashville is now just a place that people do want to go. Yeah, it was back to that uh, window of opportunity that we have for over the next couple of years. So uh, we'll have our chances. Well, with those extra pieces, you talked about Scott Hartnell coming back and being excited to be here, and you have to throw him in the mix somewhere. So inevitably, we're talking about Coach having to reevaluate re players. You mentioned how Forsberg has been injured, but I think Robbie Stanley said he was actually out on the— We didn't say Forsberg, Forsberg is injured. Huh? Who are you talking about? Salty was injured. Oh, I'm Salty. Sorry, Salty. I, 
was thinking Forsberg. How dare you? How dare you? <laughs> I'm speaking bad things. <laughs> Jeez. Do you even know us? Go ahead. Um, but potentially splitting up the Jofa line, Arvidsson was slated on the second line today, and Fiala was on the first line on the right wing. Well, I mean, I mean, if you've got that much firepower, it kind of <clears throat> makes sense. I know that that's our top dynamic, you know, guns blazing line, but Laviette does like balance, and so if you split that line between all three, you know, you, you give each line a good balance. And I think it's some, I think in some games it's better to have three capable offensive lines that you can roll out. I, I think it really depends on the chemistry. I think we said that in one of the episodes too. Do they come out like the playoff Jofa line and start dominating people? If so, they're going to be kept together. If they struggle a little bit, I'm you're gonna see some shakeups. But if you look just at let's just take the three thirty PM roster, the A team, who do you think gets cut or sent back to their team first? Well, looking at the uh three thirty list, I think that I mean you gotta get o- O'Connor's uh, not yeah, making yeah, I don't O'Connor's think O'Connor gone. I think Trevor Smith will get cut. I don't know. I mean, like I know Tyler Moy played on the Admirals. Kamenev uh, has played on the Admirals. I think a lot of these players that are on this A team will, the majority of them will go back down to the yeah, Admirals. That's what I was thinking, just looking at him. So, uh, for people who don't have the list in front of them, the 330 game was Matt O'Connor, uh, Yannick Weber, Matthias Eckholm, Craig Smith, uh, Yarn Croak, Fiala, Trevor Smith, uh, Emmalin, RV, PC Labrie, McLeod, Derek Army, Trevor Murphy, uh, Emil Peterson. Tyler Moy. He looked good, by he the way. He did look good. In the, in the rookie tournament. Uh, Frederick Allard, UC Saros, which we know is staying. Yeah. Uh, Subin, Anthony Richard, and uh, Kamenev. Yeah, I, I think at least half of those are cut, unfortunately. It seemed like the 7 p.m. game had more of our starting or final roster. Um, looking at the 7 p.m., you had Anthony Botetto, Sissons, Bass, which was... By the way, he looked great, too. He had some excellent stops defensively. It was good seeing him back. Um, I think my favorite moment last year was him uh, in that fight and totally destroyed the guy, and he just took his hat and, Threw like, gladiator-style gladiator, gladiator um, Russell Crowe just throws it across the ice and raises his hands up like, are you not entertained? Like, it was so good. Man, the crowd was going nuts in that game. I was there for that one. Um, but it was nice to see uh, Bass back, Hartnell, uh, Salty. Um, yeah, let's see. Pekka obviously staying. Limbach, we already talked briefly on on his performance. Well, he's pretty solid, he knows, but he's not going to obviously make the team because you have. He you knows say, he's competing for a spot in Milwaukee. In Milwaukee, I, I mean, he looked pretty pretty good to earn that spot. Butler, no, he'll be gone. Kirkland, gone. And then here's where it gets to some of the nitty-gritty because you have Carrier and then Daughtry is still on this list too. And But we talked about, and Gerard. So we have three defensemen that are basically competing for a spot because of the Ellis injury. And to be honest, every single one of them looked good. Gerard probably looked the best. He probably edged him out just with a little bit of his speed. But it's, it's going to be close on that one. Ogbert... Watson, Irwin, Yossi, obviously, um, uh, Goudreau, and Johansson. We got to think. Freddie looked you good you got to think too. Daughtry, um, Kirkland, Gerard, uh, Carrier—they've all got contracts, so they're staying. 
Oh yeah, for sure. I think the only person that I think will get a um, contract coming up, even if they get cut, will be Kelleher. Yeah, everybody seems to talk some pretty good things about him as well. It is interesting that they split them up in the groups that they did, and they said that was the reason because you can play the rookie, let him have a chance to play with some of these veterans to see how they play with a better pairing and with people that have more experience that can set them up and see their chemistry, see how they work. So that that was a smart move. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, I mean, you're basically allowing some of your superstars to bring up and elevate the play of some of the others. I know Yossi had several feeds on the back post that should have gone in. Uh, I mean, they were, they were difficult angles, but still, um, you know the coaching staff are going to evaluate the tape for sure and scrutinize every little thing uh, just to see, you know, who might be up to the cut. Yeah, it's something we've been talking about forwards, but we had briefly talked about Emelin and Subban, and that's been kind of a consistent pairing that they're trying out. And now's the time to try it out. But I'm kind of curious if it sticks because I'm a sucker for a good story like you, Dano, and they're old yeah, Canadians I'm boys still... together. So I'm kind of rooting for that just because I like the story behind it. I uh, think they'll. I think early on in this, the first couple games of the season, I think they'll try it out. Kind of like how just same thing with the top one or top first and second line. They're kind of mixing things up just to see where the chemistry is. And and I was a proponent of that too. A couple episodes I had mentioned. Perhaps breaking up the Jofa line just to spread it down, uh, spread it down the list a little bit, and uh, see where it goes. And now's the time to figure that out and and balance things out for sure. Now I will say, um, it did see it was good to see Yossi out there with the C on his chest. Yeah, that it was a little weird at first because one, we've been going through captains here recently. Um, obviously, it was Weber for a while, and we we got so used to him, and we never thought really he was going to be traded like that, and it was just boom, it happened. He's gone. Now all of our jerseys are obsolete. And then we get Fisher, which was an obvious replacement for for Shea. So when Fisher left, or retired rather, um, this one was kind of up in the air, I felt, because we, we had speculated so much about it, people just losing their minds, and it was hilarious just seeing the, the reaction afterwards of people like, oh, I don't know why this person didn't get an A. I feel like they got snubbed, and I'm like, really? Like, some hilarious comments. Yeah, Pred's Facebook, Pred's Twitter was very, uh, they liked it for the most part, but you said those one or two detracted. There's was like conspiracy theory. Well, God, we, we have enough A's now. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you've got... Let's just talk about that for a second. Yeah, you've bring got, that up. That's interesting. You've got Yossi as the captain. Ellis is the first time I've heard of somebody being an associate, associate captain. captain. And... Yeah, salute. Uh, uh, yeah, I'm like, they said uh, Coach was finding some military inspiration for that title to give him that. They had to because from, it's but. like it's almost like rankings now. I mean, it really is. You know who was really happy about that? The Captain Ryan Ellis parody. Account. Yeah, oh my yeah. god! I, I bet he. About. I bet they lost it online. So yeah, you Captain got that. Ryan Ellis has been promoted, and then you got uh, Johansson, Forsberg, and Ekholm are going to rotate that third A, which we almost nailed our leadership team by the way in the previous episode we we all said one we we thought yossi we we definitely thought ellis deserved an a which he got associate captain and then we also said that we thought johansson would get one because of uh, the long-term contract but it was also interesting to note that forsberg got one because he has a long-term contract now and he'll be rotating with at and johansson 
Well, one thing I do like about the Ella situation, we never really heard of the associate captain, but I thought that was kind of a good head nod and respectful uh, gesture towards him to show that he's kind of the next in line or a little bit above. I enjoyed that. I thought that was kind of a respectful nod towards him in that area. Uh, quite frankly, unheard of. I really don't think of another team that has kind of structured it like this. Um, and it was nice to see um, Pekka and PK also, and Nick. And Benino. That was interesting, too, um, because people were like, how do you name someone who literally just joined your team to the leadership group? And I think the leadership group is is um experienced group. If you look at it, PK's had playoff experience. Peck, well, he's been our rock forever. I mean, had we not petitioned for him to be captain, he would, you know, I, I feel, been a captain. But you also have Nick Benino who comes in here and brings exceptional playoff experience and Stanley Cup experience. I mean, he just won two back-to-back championships. The dude hasn't had an offseason in how many years? Like, he doesn't have a summer, and that's what you want. And he's going to be a leader going forward as far as the playoffs are concerned. So I thought that was actually the right choice to name him to the leadership group because he seems like a, a quality person to to bring that experience for the playoff time, for the playoff run. Yeah, I actually liked the addition of Benino in the leadership group. I thought that was a good a good move, bringing someone, like you said, that has such a veteran a veteran role that's played in the NHL is a long time in here to help ground some of these youngsters coming up. So I thought that was a good move. I'm not mad about that. I mean, we have an extremely young team now. I mean, we really do looking at the roster, which is exciting for us. And just to see all the young players coming up too, uh, in the rookie games and also even these, these double header games, it was really nice to see. And I think obviously we have a bright future with our farming. So, yeah, having that core leadership group is going to be extremely important to grow the franchise over the next five to ten years, not just the immediate next season. Definitely, because you know our cup window is also open too because of this. Oh, we're younger, oh, yeah, we're for faster. Sure. I think this year we kind of just kicked that cup door open, just took <laughs> our foot and just smashed it open as fast as we could, and said, "We're here, baby." Like it or not, catfish and all. Speaking catfish, though, we also got our first look at the jerseys. Yes, we did, on the ice. And I have to admit... They don't look that I, bad. I, as much as I've given them a ton of crap, you're looking at me, Matt, but you have to admit, in person, they looked better. I'm not saying they're good. I'm just saying they're better, and the shorts help drastically. I don't know if it really is a reduction or maybe just because there's so much gold on the jersey, but it seemed like um, the stripe was less on the, the pants and they're more navy, and that really helped out. Yes, in person, it looks a little better given the whole uniform. The the shorts, the blue shorts, helped yes. out a lot. Oh. But kind of what I wrote down in my notes was the jerseys look better. Their jerseys look better than we thought. But your jerseys won't because as a home viewer, you're just going to buy the jersey. You're not going to have the navy pants to offset it. You're just going to no. have this stupid gold jersey could, and it's going to look dumb on you. You can wear jeans. Well. You have navy jeans. I will man. say that if I do buy a new jersey, I will buy an away jersey. Dude, the away jerseys yeah, look, those look pretty good. great, actually. I, I loved it with the white and the, just the gold. But that wouldn't make sense, Kyle. You live in Nashville. It wouldn't make sense to wear an away jersey to home. I, I would. We'll not for the ex- gold games because we got to all be gold. I'll make an exception in this case. Golden. I will wear my 
OG jersey now. <laughs> OG, your original gold. Yeah, I mean, they are vintage now, technically. Um, I do want to get the Stanley Cup Finals patch added to my... Well, if you're wanting original gold, go get that mustard jersey. I do. You know, it's it's love-hate with those jerseys. I didn't like that one. It's love-hate. Um, I like the graphic on it just because it was kind of like in that weird, awkward period where teams were experimenting with logos. Um, I think that got back to you know our last episode. We had some really good logos that came out of that period of time. But uh, I don't know if the mustard, you know, I don't know if it cut the mustard. But um, uh, I think my favorite jersey still is that navy and, uh, and white alternate. That's my favorite. I see that. I love that. And I want to so get much. one, but I don't want to go buy a fake one. True. So I will say I one think. thing we did um, see in the um, game quite a bit was the slashing. Like we, we referenced earlier. So apparently with the new head of player safety, I guess he's talked to whoever does the ref and I guess the player safety does the refs. I'm not exactly sure on that. Uh, if somebody, if listening, correct me if I'm wrong. But we've seen a huge increase of penalties given in preseason games. So let me pull up my list here. Oh, it was so bad. It was so bad. It, it felt like a f- five on four the entire first period. Oh, wait. That's because it was a five on four for the entire first period because we were in the box for 10 minutes. Yeah, on the game two of we actually went to, there was 18 penalty minutes. <laughs> we spent almost an entire period a man down. We had nine minors. So you had Gerard for tripping. Jeez. Johansson got two for slashing. Yeah. Trinning got a delay of game for the apparently ever now popular face-off violation. <laughs> and if you don't know what that is, I had to go look it up because I didn't realize that that was an actual violation. If you look at the face-off dot, there's two sets of hash marks. The skaters' skates have to be, um, you can't be over those hash marks. And the ref was basically giving him a warning. It's the Sidney Crosby rule. And if he did it again, he was calling him into the box. And the entire night, we got we got called one time for that. But over preseason as a whole, everybody's games was getting called for that constantly. And it's like, well, why are we cracking down on that? It, here's the deal. Uh, it they're cracking it doesn't down matter. on a lot of these penalties, but it is the preseason. I do not think it is going to be a big deal unless this trend continues into the regular season where you have astronomical penalty minutes. A power play wouldn't be special anymore because literally both teams are committing penalties like every couple of minutes. Um, I I just don't see the um, the faceoff violation being sh- uh, being as strictly enforced in the regular season. I think they're cracking down now to make it a point and drive it home to players not to do this because if you keep on and keep on and you keep messing up in a game, they will eventually call you for one. I don't think it's one of those. Oh, you did it one time. We're going to call you a penalty uh, on a penalty instantly. I don't think that's even remotely fair at all. Um, it'll be interesting to see because normally, or they used to just kick you out of the circle. I mean, so yeah, they're trying to make a point because the last year or two, players have really been taking advantage of of not staying still, encroaching too far, moving earlier, trying to gain uh, gain advantage. ground on yeah, yeah, gain advantage before the uh, before the ref drops the puck. So they're trying to crack down because it's been slowly being taken advantage of. Preseason is the time to do it. But if you, we talked about how much penalty minutes a game it has. Over the last, uh, I looked at stats that Dom had shown on Twitter, since the year 2000, penalty minutes have steadily declined throughout the league. And I'll give you some examples. The last three years, 
uh, the average penalty minutes or uh, average, I'm sorry, penalties per game was 6.1 in 2014, then 15 was 6.2, then 16, 5.9. So under six, right around six penalties a game this preseason. 14.6. That's more than double. So, <laughs> wow, that is incredible. That's an intense statistic. I, I think that's going to get brought down. I think you're going to at least see it around 7 or 8, yeah. to be honest. Players I, I think that'll be the range. real hot about it because it's nice to try to enforce something to correct it. Like you said, if players are taking advantage of it, okay, we talked about this last episode. Let's correct it. But if you go too far... It doesn't feel like the game anymore. Yeah. it, it takes it, The game takes too long because it's just too much stoppage to play. And I don't mind the cracking down on slashing because slashing on the wrist is the most vulnerable part. That's where the pads hops between the glove. That's the most vulnerable part for players. So it's nice to try to help that, but you can't just touch them and, and call the call the whistle on it. You know, Ovechkin was really mad about that too. Brad Marchand has been particularly notable on Twitter about being mad about the faceoffs. This is not a pansy sport. And this Ovechkin's been sport. noticeably mad about the slashing calls. So I think it's a little bit of a hot issue right now it'll settle down as the games go on and i actually it's think crosby cool was probably the instigator for both of these because he almost slashed that guy's finger off yeah yeah they're punishing <laughs> the whole league because of his one thing that's right which and is surprising the players notoriously complained about crosby in the face-off circle and now here we goes so thanks crosby thanks penguins <laughs> your guys sucks. always at the root of the problem but yeah it, it'll be interesting to see like i said it's it's going to taper off though it's got to taper. i'm actually Looking forward to seeing the next couple of preseason games, like especially the one right before the regular season s- starts. The last preseason game, uh, I want to. We'll come back and see the stats on that game and see how many penalty minutes are called league wide. I-, I think it's going to be drastically reduced. So they're going to have to just at least just kick the guy out of the circle. They put another guy in, and they're just going to have to calm it down a little bit. Just calm it a little bit. Everyone's going to be fine. Players are ticked right now. It's going to be okay. I mean, the crowd the crowd was so worked up. I'm like, this is a preseason game. First of all, incredible show out. Oh, definitely. The concourse I, for a 7 o'clock game, even preseason, preseason. was pretty full. Pretty full. Um, definitely over a half capacity, maybe even, you know, 70 or 65% maybe capacity to 70 in the arena. But, like, I, I mean, it, it felt like a game in there with all the penalties getting called because I mean the crowd was starting to boo the revs. Uh, I mean it, it it started getting a little heated. So I like to think they probably listened to this podcast and was like, "We were a little too lax in our officiating. <laughs> Let's step it up, guys." <laughs> this guy in Nashville wants us to do our jobs. Sp- speaking of speaking of hot headed, did anyone get to see uh, Duchesne's picture <laughs> this week? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That hostage photo. Hostage negotiations <laughs> were underway for for the NHL photo day. Remember, he's just there for his teammates. <laughs> That's Which right. I thought was classy. Give it to him. It was like a 15-second interview, which I thought was hilarious, and people were making a big deal out of it. They were. Hey, it's truthful. What what I mean, what do you want to what do you want to say? I hate the the management here, which he rightfully should hate the management because obviously Sakic is not managing that team properly right now. But but that said, I, I thought it was a great answer. 15-second press conference with the media, done, over. I'm here for my teammates, good game. I want to be in Nashville. That's, like, that's, literally, <laughs> that's literally how that went down. I think Sackett has mishandled this so bad that I really will be surprised at the end of the season if he still has a job in Colorado. 
they they say he's still asking for a player, a prospect, and a draft pick. Is still he overplayed his hand, <laughs> but nobody took it. It's what does too he late. Think? Yeah, what does he think? No one's going to do that. Here's the deal. Maybe earlier when when the Predators and the, you know, Hurricanes and uh, who else was Islanders. the Islanders were actually offering decent trades for Duchesne, and he didn't take it. He's going to look like an idiot halfway through the season when he trades and settles for something way less because they know now the the, the it's on the other foot. The shoe's on the other foot now. The other teams have the power as far as the trade negotiation because he waited so long. And they also know Duchesne does not want to be there because he didn't even show up for camp. I mean, look at that photo at the NHL. I mean, he was mean mugging him the whole time. Like, I really wish I could be a fly on the wall at, like, the NHL GM's meeting because you know... That there's that little core group of 31 managers that talk about everything, and you get to wonder how many of them were just like, I don't want to talk to Sackick. Or they were just talking crap about the fact that he wants so much. He basically wants a rock star for Duchesne. He wants three the, rock stars. Yeah, three rock stars for Duchesne. Yeah, I thought he, I thought Duchesne handled the interview pretty well. He seemed to kind of have a professional approach. You could tell he was mad, but the people on Twitter that were saying, oh, it's his problem, it's his fault to begin with, I think you can't really say anything about the interview. The people who say that are the ones who don't like how DeShane overall, the whole viewpoint of the situation, are, not necessarily that interview. Are you the athlete? Are you in his situation? If you didn't want to play for an organization, you would be mad too because of the way they're handling everything. It's like going to work for a crappy job. Do you want to work in that crappy job? Probably not. But guess what? You got to do it to pay the bills. Like, you're still going to be ticked off about it. He was mad about it, and he still is for right reason. Um, but he has made it known that he wants to be in Nashville. And it's going to be interesting as the season goes because guess what? We still got $6 million in cap space. We still could potentially pick him up later on, but it's not going to be for no, you know, three assets here. You're talking like a pick. You know what? Top four defenseman and yeah. a draft pick. You're not getting and, that. No. If we make the trade and we somehow get him later on, it is not going to be for that much. It's going to be at a much reduced cost because Sackick waited way too long. We know that he's a good player, so we hope he lands in a good spot some way or another. But you know, uh, we've got a list for other good players this week, Kyle. Tell us about it. We do. We decided to take another uh, simple top five. And we're going to pick our top five NHL captains. You know, I'm pretty excited about this one because mm. I kind of slacked off on the stats this week to give everyone a break. And then, of course, Kyle, before our podcast, just, just starts talking about, oh, I got into like all the awards and like the nitty gritty details. And I'm like, that sounds like me because every episode I'm like, this player has like point five two six three repeating. Well, you on know what? Face off. I uh, decided to just forego that and just go simple as well too. Oh, all right. Well, I like the theme this week. We didn't really know. We didn't really have a particular top five in mind, but since Yossi just got elected captain, we thought now's it's a good, good week theme. to uh, do the top it's five captains. Good theme. So, Kyle, how about you start us off? And I will start off by saying my number five captain is Roman Yossi. Whoa. Shocker. Wow. A guy who's played no games as a captain. <laughs> captain, but my captain. he's had a ton of experience playing with former captain Shea Weber. Shea and Fisher, really. I mean, he, he's been underneath them for a while now. I will put him as my number five because it's a little biased because this is a Preds podcast. A little bit. I think and our whole Preds list team. tonight are going to be biased, by the way. I think these and are just players I we give, like. I want to give him a shot. I like Yossi as a captain. I like him as a player, so I want to give him a shot. So that's why he's my top five. Well, 
not my top five. He's my he's number five. He, he's but. number one through Every, five. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just Yosi, 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 Yosi. All right. Number five. This one This one might shock Matt. Number five comes in as a Chicago Blackhawk. Oh, yeah. Jonathan Tate. Have to. I mean, y- y- you know, it'd be different if it was Kane. If it was Kane, no. He's not on my list at all. He's completely off the list. He's like Getzlop. Completely Good thing he's off. not a captain. We even talked about, yeah, just completely off the list. Um, but Jonathan Taze is a great leader for that team, and you can't argue with his stats, too. He He's incredible. Absolutely incredible. He has great, relevant playoff experience. I'm not going to knock him. He's got to be number five. So I'll knock him for a second. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Thank you, Kyle. Whoa, Kyle. <laughs> I just keep thinking back to when we swept them last season. <laughs> His well, face. Playing the hits. He just looks so sad. And that was like... I think every Blackhawks player... My favorite one was the Blackhawks player... Or player, not not a player. The a fan. fan. in the crowd that I made a meme off of from the TV. And he literally has a bandage underneath his eye. It looks like he's been beat up in a fight in the stands. And he's like almost in tears. Like, I can't believe this just happened. Best image ever. I think for me what it was was Taves' deer in a headlight look. He just looked... <laughs> Stunned that this happened. I, I think everyone was stunned. So I mean, I'm can't, still can't blame them for best playoff memes. I still got to go with the Pittsburgh fans. They were <laughs> they were holding their fingers in their ears because it was too loud. Yes, that was great. They're like, <laughs> they were not used to that. They were like, oh my god. I remember the Pittsburgh fans we sat next to who drove up for the the game six, and they were like, it's pretty freaking loud. Yeah, here. I mean, they, they were they like, were like wow. it's ungodly loud in here, which they liked it too. They were like, wow, this is. Not, I mean, you don't go to many arenas that have 125 plus dbs, almost 130. Uh, but for remember, a game. we actually pump in noise. Oh yeah, you know we do it all the time. Well, that all happened in the playoffs. You know what else happened in the playoffs? My number five, Eric Carlson. If Good it choice. wasn't for him, there would be <laughs> yeah, no the playoffs. There was literally nothing. He is he is a fast skating two way defenseman. He's a two time Norris winner. He should have he should have three. Should have probably got it last year. But he you knew cannot. Burns, he knew Burns is going to get it. What was it? Was it Pierre that says, "Oh, uh, the ice is is canvas, and Carlson's just painting with a paintbrush all over yeah. the Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's a very Pierre <laughs> McGuire uh, commentary there. Yeah, so everybody likes Carlson. I I talk it's that hair overly yeah, about defensemen. He does have some hair. <laughs> some? I mean, it's a mane. It just flows when he's. Uh, it's a waterfall. Yeah, hair. I mean, it's it's fantastic. So. I have to agree that that's a pretty good one. Apparently, hair is a big issue too. Uh, was it Robbie Stanley who rates the Predators captains based on how good their hair is? And he dude, said, that's a thing. Like hair in the NHL is a big deal. Look at Barry Melrose, the ESPN yeah, the Godfather. Dude, he baby. is awesome, man. His suits and he slicks the his hair stripe. straight back. Man, he he looks awesome. Uh, and he he calls it a the salad, <laughs> the head salad. So anyway, go ahead. All right, my number four. Is Eric Carlson. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah, I liked him. You know, captain since 2014. You were correct. He's a two-time Norris winner. And I will give a little bit of stats here. And since he's been the captain, um, well, actually, since he's played for the entire season, his entire career, season career, he averages 14 goals, 42 assists, and 57 points, which is not bad for a defenseman. Yeah, it's awesome. But the fact that I, he is the heart and soul to me of the Ottawa Senators. For sure. And people oh, love him. yeah. Besides, besides, um, well, I can't think of the goalie's name. I was going to think of what was the goalie's name for Ottawa? Uh, Craig Anderson. Yes, I think those two basically comprise the heart and soul of the team. 
Yeah. That is very true. Well, guess what? My number four, Eric Carlson. Nice. Look at us go, boys. I'm not going to rehash everything that y'all just spent your lovely minutes saying, but for the same reason, he's got great hair. He's a great defenseman, and as Matt so eloquently put it, they would not have been to the Eastern Conference Finals if it wasn't for him. He carried them so hard. He had chronic back problems from carrying them <laughs> in, in the uh, the playoffs this year. But, you know, somebody's got to do it. He's got big shoulders, apparently. Right. And he did it and got the job done. Sadly, the Penguins broke his back. Ooh. Ooh. Anyway, Matt, what do you got? Well, speaking of sadly, I'm going to have to cue the sad music because my number four, Henrik Zetterberg. And why this is sad is because <laughs> yes, it's like, <laughs> I don't know how to put this. All I'm watching <laughs> one of the greatest franchises ever just walk away. All their players are leaving and going bye-bye. After Lidstrom retired, I'm like, no, don't leave me, Lidstrom. And then ever, after Pavel Dasik left, I'm like, come on. No, don't leave us, Pavel Dasik. <laughs> and then I'm looking at Zetterberg. I'm like, he's our last standing guy from the old regime besides uh, Cronwall and Franzen who are hurt and already, they're on injured reserve. They're not even playing. So I'm like looking at Zetterberg. He's our last hope from the old Gleaming guard. hope. Yeah. yeah like, I'm, don't leave me. I'm all alone here. You stuck me with a bunch of, with a bunch of young people who, you know. The rebuild has begun. Yeah. Ever since kind of like Abdulkader kind of like ushered in the new guard. But Zetterberg is one of like the only one that's still playing that's from the old guard. And I'm like, don't leave me. I don't want to see it go. Yeah. So. He's going to be in the dojo. <laughs> <laughs> that new that new yes, arena yes that new sweet shirt the dojo yes but uh, Zetterberg does have a lot to his name he's a, a triple gold member he won the Stanley Cup uh, and world gold and Olympic gold as well so Be- better than triple A <laughs> for sure <laughs> that's that's so. right alright Kyle what do you have for number three my number three going the Black Hawk route mm. Jonathan Taves whoa How, look at us we've come a long way on this podcast Matt we both had Blackhawks players. Impressed. I mean, his career season, he's averaged uh, 27 goals, 35 assists, and 62 points for his career. That's not bad for him. And he's a one-time Mark Messier winner. Uh, he's won the Selkie one time. He's won the Conn Smythe one time. Three-time Stanley Cup champion and three-time Western Conference champion. That's a great pedigree for a captain. I mean, you can't argue with those. Kyle's doing all the, the stats this week. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like... I said I wasn't I going like to. This, I like those But guys, it kind of flows with what I've got wrote down to just say, you know, I didn't have any fun facts for them. Because mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if you can just query, you know, NHL captain fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that leads me to my number three. And once again, completely biased. But I like them. It's Roman Yosef. Oh, come on. <laughs> Give me a break. There's no there's no stats on this, Matt. We literally, I mean, really, look at your last one. Who Who's he surrounded with? Hey. A bunch of high schoolers. No one talking about Zetterberg. <laughs> a bunch Zet- of high schoolers, okay? Zetterberg sitting there with a fire extinguisher trying to put yeah. the fire out. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, all these kids got to be home for their tea caps in the morning, <laughs> and he's trying to win a championship. Yeah. So uh, it's just. That's that's a sad situation right now. I feel bad for it. Anyway, Yossi. Uh, what can you deal. say? He's a great guy. He, he is a good, good guy. I think he has that um, mentality and the look of a captain. He also has been able to basically understudy some of the better captains, I think, personally, we've ever had in our organization. As far as Weber and Fisher, you cannot say that Fisher was a 
even though he was only the captain for a year, believe me, if Weber had not been there, Fisher would have been our captain for a much longer period of time because he's a good guy on, off the ice, does a lot of charity work, just overall an amazing human being. So I think it's nice that Yossi had several years of experience underneath him, got to see what a true captain is like, multiple captains. So I think you're really going to see him. And let me just say, that first preseason game, he looked good with the C on. You weren't there, Matt. You give me a lot of crap. But he had a different swag. He That captain he, swag. He had a captain swag. And you you might laugh, but had you been there and seen him for the on-ice warm-ups, he just looked different. And he looked much better in the game. It's preseason. We'll see what happens. But he needs to show up when they need him the most. That's what a captain does. He needs to be a leader. He needs to rally. And that's what Fisher did really well. If you think about it, he always showed up. Game, oh man, that triple overtime game against the Sharks. He came out of nowhere and put it in the back of the net. And that's what a captain, in my opinion, he leads. He's a good person. And he has to be there in the clutch moment to lead his team. We'll see where Yossi ends up on that list. That's true. You said he's got a swag. It's almost like he's had the swag ever since he planted that sword in Nissan Stadium. Yeah. Which was awesome. Apparently that was the sign that uh-huh. he was the captain, which he of was getting course, a lot of media coverage. Of course, that. Poyle didn't say that until afterwards. Kind of yeah. like when they got Emelin in, he didn't mention that it was because he knew that Ellis had surgery. He just leaves everybody to speculate. <sighs> he's and like, tells he's a little after. wizard. A little Poyle, wizard. Poyle he likes, just... likes to keep, keep it close to the chest. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, number three, Connor McDavid for me, baby. We're going that route. We're going to talk about that for a second. Um, but stats aside, this is just purely because I think Connor McDavid's probably the best thing for hockey since Sidney Crosby. Stats aside, we can compare them all they want, and and they're pretty they're pretty close. Uh, McDavid still has many more years to prove himself, but just the fact that the sport has another uh, chosen boy to to look after and to idolize, and for doing he does great things for marketing and for showing hockey worldwide and growing the sport he's the next person to look to it was Sidney Crosby now we've got a new face of the league who's going to be bring that sheer immense of talent and, and ability to the league so I had to put him for my number three well that's very interesting because my number two <laughs> was Connor McDavid your number two you just skipped no 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 that was oh no, sorry no. pay attention man these guys nose buried his notebook over here I know look at me I agree with everything you said about Connor McDavid Watching him play, you can tell he's just ushering in a new wave of talent to the NHL. Everybody's getting younger. Everybody's getting faster. I mean, I just looked it up here. He won the fastest skater for the 2017 um, All-Star Game. Did he? It said here that... Yeah, he beat... Um, Dylan was, Larkin? Yeah, Larkin. No, he didn't. No, year. he didn't beat Larkin. Larkin. Larkin has the fastest lap ever done. Yeah, yeah the fastest, but he didn't... Did he compete this year? I can remember. Anyway, Maybe that's irrelevant. Here, but I remember D- Dylan Larkin set a record last he year. He did set the record, and that is still yeah, they the said, top. They said beat. McDavid completed the All Star uh, course in 13.2 seconds. He beat the time of 13.16, which was set by Nikita Kucherov of the Lightning. And then he had a chance to go against Larkin's record. Larkin's record is um, 13.172 seconds. That's so fast. Sounds like that's uh, lightning. Sounds like, sounds like Dylan Larkin needs to be a pizza delivery boy. <laughs> yeah, for the dojo. For the dojo. <laughs> and here's they how, could use him. Here's in how the fast. Season. Here's how fast uh, Connor is. His time was thirteen point three one. He was 
0.138 of a second slower than Lurkin. Yeah, that's negligibly no difference Operator at all. Operator error on yeah, that stopwatch. I mean, yeah, yeah, seriously. It, it just makes you wonder going forward how many players, future players, are going to say their hero of hockey growing up was Connor McDavid. I mean, he is the face of a new generation. He, he will be the next Sidney Crosby. For sure. And for better that, or for worse. That, yeah, that goes back to our episode where Matt was like, he's on the the McDavid band, bandwagon right now until he becomes the league's golden boy and takes over Sidney Crosby's spot and then everyone bows down and worships him. Then <laughs> Matt will move to the next new up-and-coming model. Yeah. He, he likes to stay fresh. So Matt will shake his cane going, <laughs> oh, I told you. <laughs> All right, so, Daniel, what's your number two? All right, my number two, Steven Stamkos. Wow, lightning. I didn't didn't think we'd see him on our list. I didn't think we would either. Let me just say this. Obviously, he's an incredible player, but let's just talk about the impact on the lightning last year when he goes down. Yeah. Um, Out for four to six months for a torn right meniscus, I believe. Where is that? That team... It's in the knee, Kyle. Gosh. Um, tanked. I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs. Granted, Kucherov did everything in his ability to try to get him in. He, I, he almost resurrected that team into the playoffs. I could not believe it. They were a wisp away. But that was only because Kucherov like, literally caught fire in those last 10 to 15 games and was killing it. But you're talking about a team that preseason was... I, I, I want to say top five power rankings preseason um, expected to make the playoffs, and they did not. That was a huge blow for them, uh, but you can't fault them because their captain went down, their leader went down, and it was a major impact. I, I honestly didn't think until last year that Steven Stamkos was that good. I, I, he's good. Uh, i give him his credit. His stats are great, but I didn't think – he contributed that much to the team, and then I saw what happened to the Lightning, and it totally changed my perspective. I was like, wow, that team just got destroyed because of one player. And for that, I have to put him at number two. So, Yeah, I've always kind of thought of him in the same category as prolific scorers as Ovechkin. And the reason I didn't put him on my list, uh, Stamkos, is because he's hurt so much. But he yeah, is. there's no doubt the impact he has for his team, but he, he's the man. It hurt. It so. did. Well, that brings me to my number two. We've talked about him already. Jonathan Taves, baby. Man, he made all of our lists, mm-hmm. so go ahead. He's I could list his all his awards and stuff, but he's got basically more hardware than Home Depot does. So Wow. Ever since Junior as a kid has been winning his whole life. He is. So I you know, I'm not gonna rehash what you guys said, but gotta be number two, Jonathan Taves. I got a shocker for number one. You guys are gonna like my number one. All right, we'll see. Spoiler alert, but spoiler alert. Doo doo. All right, then I guess we are our number one. My number one should be no surprise of who I'm going to pick. And that is Alexander Ovechkin. <laughs> I knew it. I'm just like, he's yeah. he's drinking that capital juice. Yeah, man. he is. I am a, Every episode. I am a Capitals fanboy. I live in Nashville. I love the Preds. <laughs> but anytime I get to go to D.C., which I plan to do again this year, uh, this coming year actually, is I love going to go watch them play. That man is just an amazing captain. Like I say, he's a prolific scorer. I don't know if you guys saw last season that he actually had his own custom skates. One had the uh, U.S., one had Russia on it. So he brings, cool. a, a, pers- brings a semblance of personality because, you know, like the goalies have their mask. Well, his way was skates. And, of course, it was uh, warm-ups only. He couldn't wear it for the full game. 
But the man is just so passionate about his sport. And of course, you know, take a real quick side note, he's really has a lot of nationalistic pride, even though the NHL has forbidden people from going to the games. Olympic Olympic games. games. Yeah. He campaigned so hard to go and reading his letter where he was like, I respectively, you know, will stop doing this essentially. You could tell the man was heartbroken. He just has such a yeah. passion. People love him. Like, hate him or love him. He's a great player. And I don't see how people can hate him. I, I thought he really stood up for all the players who want to go and represent the country. Um, I think if, I mean, no, I, I don't think, I know if I were a player, I, I'm playing for the U.S. I just am. That's my country. Don't take that away from me. I want the Olympic gold. That's what every athlete, no matter what sport you're in, they want to compete on that Olympic level for the gold. These are the best of the best in the world. You're talking and national pride, too. It's national pride. National pride is so big because if you think about great Olympic rivalries for hockey, USA, Canada, are you kidding? Like, there have been some incredible matchups. Russia as well. You throw in some of these great teams. Finland. Sweet. These teams want to play. These, these, these countries breathe, live. Everything they do is hockey. And then you're taking away... Some of the best players, well, are the best players in the world because NHL has the best players in the world. You're taking all of them and saying, no, you can't go. So we're going to see a very subpar Olympics out of that. Uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I enjoyed, actually, I anticipated when I was reading that letter, I thought the end was going to have something different. I thought he said, screw you guys, I'm going anyway. That's but what I thought too at first. He took a very respectable approach, and like you said, he represented the voices of some of the younger athletes who aren't as noteworthy and, and recognizable as him. He has such a voice of respect in the league, so I think in the next few years, that letter will come into play, and then maybe they'll change their mind and, and do something different. Well, you only get that opportunity once every four years, yeah. and that's rough, especially some, for an athlete. You you will probably only get, if you're an elite athlete, you might get it three chances f- to represent your country. Um I don't see four happening. That's, I mean, that's a long time. Um, but you only have so many opportunities for that national pride and to bring home the gold for your country, which you know is huge. And I, I think it's a shame that this year it's going to be subpar. And I mean, I'm still going to watch it. Obviously, that's going to be the highlight for me of the Olympics still. But it's just, it, it's going to be weird to see teams without their superstar players that you've come. To know you're like oh well you know obviously Forsberg 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 will play for you know sweet it's, it's rough it's rough to see so well so what's your number one that was really there. heavy <laughs> know, so let's, let's move on what's your number one Daniel all right number one no shock I'm jumping on the bandwagon too yeah. Connor McDavid I wow. mean here here you go he is resurrecting that team. I mean, literally, single-handedly. Connor McDavid, the savior <laughs> yeah. of the Oilers. Yeah, I mean, seriously. But you got to think, they got used to Gretzky all those years. I mean, killing it. They got so spoiled, having the best of the best. And then there was a long drought of nothing. But they, now, got, they here, got used to tanking constantly. Yeah, yeah here, comes, here comes the next wave. They get a number one draft pick. They get the draft pick, obviously. They finally got the one on a good year. And... He obviously is going to make an incredible difference for that team. Uh, a very young team as well, um, up and coming. I think they're going to have a shot at the cup 
in the next couple of years as well. Um, they're very similar as far as um, speed and young youth like the Preds. So I think you're going to start seeing teams like that have better shots at the playoffs. But he's young himself, but he gets results. You can't argue uh, over 100 points. What was 102 points last year he scored on his way to becoming MVP? So he's a leader already. We'll see what he does this year and, you know, for the longevity of his career. But he's number one. For sure. Well, that brings me to my number one, and I'm glad nobody mentioned – nobody's mentioned my guy yet – I'm coming out of left field. I got a wild pick Ooh, right here. Here we go. This is going to be a good one. My number one choice is the Daniel Chara. No baby. way. That's right. Off from the Bruins? That's right. <laughs> That's out of left field. That is it? way out of yeah. left field. I don't even like him. Don't even like him. Then explain. Then, yeah. All right. He is the here's – the, here's the deal. He's the most intimidating player in the league. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that one. <laughs> He's got a harder shot than Shea Weber. He's bigger than Joe Thornton. Yeah. Has his shot been... Hey, I got I got some stats for you. Okay. Check it out. Check it out. <laughs> he has the hardest shot in NHL history. Uh, continually, every time he goes and does the challenge, he kind of ups, ups his ante from last year. His hardest shot on record is 108.8 miles an hour. So stupid. Him and Shea, like, they're on a different level as far as sh- slap shot-wise. I mean, 107, 108, you're breaking people's bones on the way in. I mean, I'm telling, I'm telling my defenseman... Move out of the way and let the goalie get the pad on it. Because that reminds me of one of when Weber was on our team. Uh, there's a pitcher where they're playing the Avalanche, and he winds up take that shot. People ducking, and yeah. they're like ducking, get diving. out of the way, leaving the poor dodge, goalie out the dry. Dive and dodge. I mean, it, it's hey, I'm not getting injured and going to be out for weeks blocking one shot. Yeah, so. I bet some of the reason why he's got such a hard shot is because he's also the tallest player in league history at, at six foot nine. So I bet some of that. I didn't realize beast. he was that tall. He's a beast of a human. He's huge. He's the most intimidating person there What's is. What's his weight? Do you have his weight? I don't have his oh, weight. He's well, probably two up. of me. He's <laughs> two Kyles. If you stack two Kyles on top of each other, that's him. Yeah. Not only is he the tallest player, he's got the hardest shot. Um, he also, interesting, he's a Norris Trophy winner. He actually speaks seven languages. He's actually set, licensed to sell real estate in, in Massachusetts. <laughs> what a boss. <laughs> he's played, and he's played 19 years in the NHL, so I don't expect him to go too much longer. So we don't ever talk about him. So I wanted to give him some love because he is such an intimidating factor. Looking to relocate to Boston? Got a great <laughs> rental property for you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> what language? Did it say what language? It, it gave him all. It was all like Slo- Slova and Okay, Slovakian. so he speaks yeah. like all the Baltic, all the, yeah. the Baltic region. Okay. I could see that because they're – Similar, yeah. Oh, they're all you know have similar roots, but that's so not only an interesting person, but like I said, so intimidating. And he said so so many records. Uh, I had to give him some love for my number one. Well, fantastic. Yeah, he is six nine. That is incredible. I was trying to find his weight. He's got to be. I mean, what two fifty, two seventy, for that tall? And it's probably all pure muscle, pretty much. Well, guys. I think we did yet another solid episode. What do you guys think? Not bad. I liked it. Well, cool. Well, on that note, guys, we are going to sign out. Uh, This is Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. If you want to drop us an email, you can find us at musiccitygold at gmail.com. If you're more of a Twitter person, you can find me at Kyle Hancock. Matt has a Twitter now, at MattBain31. (laughs) We're just trying to get Daniel on the Twitter game now. And you can find the show at Music City Gold. 
This has been Music City Gold, hosted by Penalty Box Radio. You guys have a good week. And finally, we can see you on the ice.